Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 1420 The Watch Clicker Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Farago and my good friend Everett C. <laughs> Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? Oh, man. <laughs> that was hard to do. <laughs> I'm doing all right, man. Uh... Yeah, the auspicious beginnings for the Blazers. It's been a little rough to watch. Um, That's typical. Yeah, well, it's maybe a little different this year. You know, it's with, hard. Yeah, with, with Dame Dollar mm-hmm. going to the the Bucks. You know, we've got uh, probably one of the most exciting young players in the NBA, but he's got a bone bruise and an ankle. It's just like we knew it was going to be a slow start, but it's been slow differently than I expected it to be slow. Mm-hmm. So. Hey, yeah. There's a lot of chemistry that needs to get built. Hey, listen. Portland's like constantly in a rebuilding phase. <laughs> um, Basically since 1995 when I started to give a shit about basketball. College Portland's football. Been rebuilding. College football still phenomenal. Whew. Very pumped about the way this season. So in the college football play, college football playoff era, this is the latest in the season we've ever, ever had five unbeaten teams, Mm -hmm. unbeaten power five teams, Uh, which is to say we've got one more than fits into a playoff very late in the season. Excuse me. And so that's been, that's been a little weird to watch. Uh, The, this is Tuesday. So the latest CFB ranking came out today and Washington is still five, which I'm, I'm sorry if you were an FSU fan, but it makes zero sense why FSU is ranked above Oregon or excuse me, Washington. And, and so that makes sense why they're ranked above us. Yes. Yes. Uh, but why they're ranked against Washington above Washington. So anyway, it, it's been fun. F- sports is fun right now. It is really fun. Even with Portland. So uh, that makes me happy. That makes me happy. This is the time of year where I'm 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 fulfilled, even though my favorite, the Mariners, are no longer. There's some big opportunities in college football in the next couple of weeks. Some big stuff. Because <coughs> in all likelihood, we'll see an Oregon-Washington rematch. Well, but we've still got Oregon State that could yeah. play spoiler. Yeah, I mean, there's some stuff. So the Pac-12... The, the RIP, RIP. This is our last year of Pac-12 before we have our sort of extended Big 18. Ten. <laughs> and could you, let's let's think about what the Big Ten has, what next year's Big Ten looks like in the way of the top twenty-five rankings. Well, you've like got twelve of the top twenty-five are Big Ten teams. Hmm. Next year's Big Ten teams. That's gonna. That I think. I think this move changes the power dynamic away from the sec into the big 10 it depends on it depends on you know what oregon washington michigan ohio state do next year but yeah i think you're not wrong and watching watching michigan and penn state play this weekend um yeah i i mean really different styles of football from oregon and washington you know borderline opposite but yeah no i think i think you're right i think there is a power shift yeah it's gonna be really cool uh but we don't talk about football on this show in fact <laughs> i bet that there's a incredibly large segment of the people who listen to the show that would like for nothing better 
than for us to stop talking about football. Well, I'm sorry because this week's episode is <laughs> all about the hunt for the Heisman. <laughs> uh, no, Andrew, it's not. This week we're talking about watches. Weird. I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> we're talking about watches and we're going to do something different than we've ever done before. I think we we've we've flirted with the idea in the past in in kind of nuanced ways, but we have completely unshackled ourselves for one week mm-hmm. and one week only. We are doing a five watches for unlimited monies. And, and not just unlimited monies, but we've even we've even gone so far as to as to rocket boost at the bottom end. So mm-hmm. you you will find you will hear about no watches today that you will ever be able to buy. Correct. Uh which is not to say I mean, you maybe could. Uh you know, there's a few And if you could and you're not supporting us on Patreon, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> there's a few people who listen to this show who I know could theoretically ostensibly get some of these watches and at least one of mine at least one of mine is in the realm of possibility for normal people. Uh, w- with that said, we are picking a five watch collection, no holds barred. You have all of the resources and leverage at your leisure. Get a watch. In fact, you get five of them. Get five of them. Justify your picks. Yeah. So when I went in, when I you, you pitched this idea to me, and I was kind of like. I wasn't really sure how to take it. And, well, and well I, credit where credit's yeah. due. This is actually this is actually a show pitch given to us by oh. Evan Kaspar. Okay, so it wasn't you. So Evan gets the credit for this episode. This was kind of a hard exercise for me because this is a realm that I spend very little time giving a shit about because it's so unrealistic. And I thought about, for me, like my favorites, like the things that are just unobtainium, and then I was like, no, that's not it. That's not the purpose of this exercise. Because it's not money is no object for me. It's money is no object in this exercise. So I wanted to build a collection, a, a group of watches that together make sense to create a well-rounded and thoughtfully curated mountain of money. So my mind went immediately to kind of understated grand complications, like the coolest shit on the planet that without knowing, you don't care. What was, where was your head at? Yeah, you, you know, I, I think I thought about it. Uh, I thought about it a little bit more, um, maybe a little bit less holistically than you did. Um, I, I still wanted to have a rounded collection. And so within that, I I identified, I identified the watches that, that I wanted to have, uh, and by the watches, I mean the categories I wanted to have, I knew, I knew one thing I wanted to have, for instance, was a dress watch and, Mm -hmm. and not just not just like, oh, I've got a Sarb as my dress watch. Like, no, I wanted to have the ultimate dress watch. And then I wanted to have the ultimate 
daily driver. And, and so I, I, I really started there. Like what are, what are the categories I wanted to fill? And so, and so I picked categories and, and then from there, the categories, you know, were refined or shifted and, and they were open enough at the beginning that I had some room to play. But, but <laughs> I got to admit from there, the task was finding really incredible, cool shit. I wanted to have, I wanted to have a blend of vintage and newer items. I wanted to have a blend of classy and wearable and like, oh my God, holy cow. Uh, you, you know, I, I it, within the collection, I wanted to still be impressive. I did set, set a floor for myself of $30,000. Okay. Uh, <laughs> which is bizarre. Uh, and, and I had one category that I didn't think I was going to be able to get over 30, but I did at the end of the day, spoiler alert. I did. And we can that. talk about that more <clears throat> when I talk about that watch, but you, you know, like challenging myself to find something special because a, a lot of the watches we're going to talk about today are in and of themselves special, but also pedestrian mm-hmm. to the extent that, you know, you're just spending money. So, so doing the thing, spending the money, but also figuring out a way to be the best. Like I'm not only am I the richest, but I'm also the best. That's kind of where my head was I'm, at. I'm like, better than you are because I'm better. Like familiar, but just up a notch. Do you, so don't answer the question yet if you did, but did you get a, an estimate for your collection value? Yeah, let me look. I've done the math in my head and I'm there. Um, <laughs> so I like, called your CPA. I'll kick it off. So I was kind of of a similar mentality. I wanted to fill really specific roles in the collection. But I wanted to have things that were familiar. That they weren't, you know, I my first thought was like, oh, I'll go Richard Meal. All five. And then I look at them, I'm like, I just hate all of these. Oh, yeah. Every single one. So I'm not going to spend $5 million. I, I, I Googled Richard Mill and then I immediately, I, I was just, like, nope. I, I closed the tab. I didn't even like open a new one. I just like, opened nope. a new tab to re-Google. So um, spoiler alert, there will be no Richard Meals today. So, so my first pick in, in the mind of things that kind of make sense and look familiar, but take it up a notch in craftsmanship, technology, and cool factor is the Longa Zeitwerk Minute Repeater in Platinum. Yeah, this is a cool watch. So this is not a familiar looking watch, right? This is a jumping hours minute repeater. And it looks like maybe one of the original wristwatches because it's also big. It's 44.2 millimeters made out of platinum alligator leather strap and and this watch is oh i'm eligible for twenty dollars off (laughs) whoa (laughs) 
is it's amazing that this is on Joma, <laughs> right? Is gorgeous. Just the most beautifully decorated exhibition case back and and kind of a without an appreciation of what you're looking at, kind of a lame dial face. Hmm. I don't it is it's an analog digital dial with a big 60 second sub dial. It's kind of quirky looking. Small seconds. Yeah, small seconds. But it's not small. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's 30% big, of the dial. Big seconds. Uh, and it is jumbo small seconds. Gorgeous. If you know what you're looking at, if you know the craftsmanship that goes into this. And then I, I wish oh, with minute repeaters, um, they would have an audio clip of the chimes when you're looking to buy this watch. Yeah, that should be that should be like mandatory. Yeah. If you're going to sell a watch that's this much. Yeah, and and for the record, um this is on it's 30% off on Choma right now for $327,000. But this is this is my first pick. This is where I started. I, and I will say you can get these for a little bit less. But they're than used. That. Yeah. I I went yep. I wanted to go brand new in box. For your baller collection, because you shouldn't have to have anybody else's wrist cheese on your watch. And right, what's the difference between from one pick three hundred and twenty-seven thousand and two hundred and seventy-five thousand? What's the difference, right? Yeah, a small house, a a, a bungalow <laughs> in uh, in uh, Puerto Vallarta. You, you know the link. The link you sent actually doesn't do this watch justice. It does because it's got a quality control sticker on the front of it. But this watch is absolutely stunning it is straight baller and it's jumping hours it's it's all the cool technologies packed into this kind of big watch but this is the baller right this is the watch that you it's not a dress watch but you're certainly going to wear it as one Mm -hmm. because the moment it starts chiming and you see those hours jump that's a dress watch (laughs) <laughs> that's tops and tails dress watch okay because your watch is you know more than a quarter million dollars <laughs> so that's where i started that was my first pick uh and i was like okay <clears throat> where do we go from here yes yeah, so what do you call what are you calling this category just baller this, this is my dress watch okay oh this is your dress watch interesting this is my dress watch oh. it's not a dress watch it's not yeah but this is it this is what's filling that role. Okay. So then I was like, okay, well, I want the coolest technology available. And I want cool material. Like if I can find those two things in conjunction with one another, that's what I want. So my next, I went with a precious metal in the way of the Petek Philippe 5740 perpetual calendar with a moon phase in white gold. This is a little bit cheaper. This is just (laughs) $151,000. What got me excited about this is this is the, this is it, right? This is an iconic watch shape. 
this watch case and design is fairly pedestrian, right? I've never seen one in the wild, but there are people who float in circles that these pop up in the wild with great regularity. This case shape. But not... It's it's a Nautilus, right? Right, it's a Nautilus. Yeah, yeah. But with the perpetual calendar, with the moon phase, and in white gold, this is the thing, right? This is an upgraded Nautilus. Because the Nautilus is unobtainium. This is a Grand Comp. Yep. Nautilus, yeah. Yes, and that's what I wanted. I wanted you to have stuff that's recognizable. I wanted me to have stuff that's recognizable and familiar. And if someone gives a shit and they get closer, they'll be like, not just already blown away by the fact that you're wearing it, but then double blown away by the fact that you have the coolest possible version of it. There is arguments to be made that there are perhaps cooler versions of the Nautilus in existence, but not with this type of grand complication, at least in my opinion, with the precious metal composition. Yeah, well, and I believe that this comes with cufflinks. It should, doesn't it? So let's talk a little bit about the watch before we move on. So this is It does a, come with cufflinks. <laughs> this and is also in white gold. A, a grand complication, Nautilus, with a caliber 240Q, 60 meters of water resistance. I don't know what the 240Q is. We'll come back to that. It's the grand complex. It's the perpetual calendar moon phase. It's a perpetual calendar moon phase. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, and it's beautiful. Right. It's, yeah, it's gorgeous. Eight and a half millimeter grand complication, 8.42 yeah. millimeters thick. Right? Like, how do you get all that shit into a watch? You're Patek. That's how. There's something there. So what category is this? So this is my grand complication, right? This is a daily driver sport watch. Okay. And that's kind of where I held, right? I wanted grand complications. Okay. I have a dress watch. This can fit in that category because it's also, it's a fucking Nautilus. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fucking Nautilus. Right? Yeah. And that's sort of the realm that I hung out in. I was like, okay, I want, I have a not steel sport watch. Now I want complications that can fit wherever. 60 meters of water resistance is kind of a bummer. But you paid $151,000, so if you get some intrusion, it's not going to be an issue to send it back and get it repaired. <laughs> so, my next up, <clears throat> I kind of rolled with that vein that I was now on. I was like, okay, we're in steel sport watches. And the next place that you need to go when you're in steel sport watches is the AP Royal Oak. Those two watches are hand-in-hand some the I think the most iconic steel sport watches on the market today. If you know anything about watches, you know exactly what they are. You can recognize them at a distance and they're phenomenal. And there's a reason for it. In my grand complication theme, I went with a tourbillon. A flying tourbillon. Because that's about the coolest technology in watches. Because it's amazing, right? Just to float all of your technology, 
to fight the forces of gravity. That's cool. So it's an open heart, turbion in your Royal Oak. This is this is a Royal Oak, right? It's a 41 millimeter case. All steel, 65 hours of power reserve, the most accurate watch you're going to wear. Again, 50 meters of water resistance. So we've, we're, we're going to drop some, some hints for that this is, there's some things to come because we don't have a lot of water resistance, true daily driver watches. We have some baller complication movements. Yeah, so tell me more about this one. <clears throat> what's, what's more to say? This is a Royal Oak, but it's the coolest possible version that you can have. Okay. It's gorgeous too. Tell me I'm wrong, right? This no, is the so I chose it's I think they call it a blue dial. Yeah, it's got sort of like a Yeah, it's a blue dial, but it's like kind of a steely yeah. blue steel. Uh, yeah, like a blue like steel, like heated steel, blued royal oak with your open worked turbion. It's have we ever talked about what a turbion is in this show? Uh, I can't say for sure. We've talked about a lot. Y- yeah, and, and you know what? We've talked <coughs> about complications. I don't know that we've ever talked about a turbion. and Because they're kind of prohibitive up to this it, Yeah. Until and, this episode. <laughs> and, and I'll be just, I, I think we can just both admit that I don't think either one of us totally understands the mechanics about a tourbillon, but essentially a tourbillon. It's sorcery. Is sorcery. It's a way to, it's a way to avoid gravitational and rotational. So, so they encase and float your escapement mechanism to prevent the positional effects of your watch movement. And, and more so than floated, they're constantly rotated mm-hmm. in order to to preserve isochronism or yeah. to preserve. It's a segue, yeah. basically. It's, you have a segue in your watch. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It, it's it's like a gyroscopic mm-hmm. or, or even perhaps just even rotational. Like, it's just a free-floating cage that your shit lives in. But I still don't, I don't it's understand It's like when people can, are bedridden for long periods of time and they put them in those oh, cages those are, that yeah. turn their bodies so they don't get bed sores. It's yeah. like that. I don't understand but how, for, how but you for can your watch float something like that and keep it fully engaged all the time. Well, that's the sorcery involved. I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like ball that fully encases and floats like the movement and then just has like a, a single thing coming out with the movement on like floating within the watch. Well, I think it's, it's literally just a cage. It's just a, a cage. It's like a fidget spinner, right? It's like a, a bearing almost, right? You've got a cage that is grasped and uh, the thing, the, the balance and everything within that is free to move on a separate, on a separate trajectory, not separate trajectory, still the same plane, but independent without independent. That's right. It's, it's some sorcery that I don't, I don't, it's, 
there's some good diagrams online of of what it does um, that are worth looking at. Again, we're not the people, you guys. If you're listening to us to understand how turbulence work, what are you, you doing here? You've made mistakes. Yeah, you, <laughs> mistakes have been made. This is Andrew Farago and Everett C. Just do not know. <laughs> We, I feel like we must explain that a little bit. Maybe someday. Okay. Okay. If you like, we can interrupt my collection. No, no. I want to hear more about your collection. Okay. Okay. So wait. I, so wait. You let's just let's just do a, a quick collection and review. We've got the Longa Zeitwerk, the the Zeitwerk Minute Repeater. Yep. We've got in platinum. We <laughs> have the right. That's important. Yeah. Yep. We have the Nautilus. Uh, 57, 57, 40, 40 one per- G perpetual calendar in white gold. We have now the AP Royal Oak flying turbion in steel. And as far as we know, that doesn't actually fly, but we're not, I mean, it's 200 dollars So it could fly. It may fly. Correct. It could. I will not make promises. Uh, I'm sure it's not exactly flying off the shelves, but we don't know. <laughs> What's next? I've never seen one. Ooh, uh, I will. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna tangent here. I didn't see many cool watches last week on our LA adventure. I saw a couple. I saw a Speedy. I saw a World Timer. And it took us getting all the way to Universal when I saw a guy with his hand out holding the lady's hand. And I immediately recognized Mission to Mars. Moon swatch on his wrist. And I was like, that's dope. And as one does, I instinctively checked her wrist. She was wearing the Uranus version of the moon swatch. Think there's so there was two possible options for for me. Number one, he was making one of the funniest jokes that has ever been made, and she has no idea because she just liked the blue one, or she's in on the joke. It's hard to say, and she might be in on the joke. I, I hope that she's not because it's way funnier. Did she have forearm tattoos? No. Okay, well. No, but I saw his and hers moon swatch. Mars and Uranus. Uh, that was a cool sighting. That was the only like actually cool watch sighting I had in the whole week we were there. <clears throat> you were at Disneyland. This is a, a different set of priorities. Yeah, but I saw those at Universal. So, but either way, like, and I, you know, I saw plenty of subs and I saw a lot of subs actually, but like nothing, nothing that was like, oh, that's that. Ooh. Ooh, good sighting. Last time we were there, I saw a two-tone OP, and I was like, I'm going to buy that off of the original owner because it was a dude in like a power scooter who was like clearly ready to kick it. And I was like, man. Just follow this guy. Wow. Yeah, that, that might fall off. He could die on like on route. Like you just don't know what's going to happen. So we have three amazing complications. I have a gaping hole in the way of like a true utility watch i kind of have already have that one picked out so i wanted to do something that's like no one but you knows how cool it is something kind of pedestrian 
but still the coolest fucking thing you can imagine. So my next pick is Daniel Craig's Worn On Set, No Time to Die, Omega Seamaster. And this is the Fotinad Loom, kind of a black-brown bezel Seamaster on mesh. $378,000 at auction. Yeah. It's just Seamaster. Yeah. There's nothing special about this Seamaster except that it's one of the most special Seamasters ever worn. And you're the only one who knows. Anyone who walks by you, like, oh, sweet Seamaster. Like, well, no, this is James Bond's Seamaster. And 75 million people saw it the weekend that it would premiere. <laughs> this is it, right? This is a true utility watch. This is like the, the, the collection round out of special things. It's one of a kind. One of one, yeah. And is the coolest possible version of this watch for no other reason than that somebody on the, the set department grabbed that Seamaster from the selection that Omega brought and was like, which one does Danny want to wear? That one. Yeah, that's cool. This I, is my most exciting pick for me. I, I like it. it it's, it's, it, it, I like the idea of having something that is special without being obviously special mm-hmm. or, or even, or even detectably special, you know, unless you know. And only you will know. That's cool. So that's my pick. That's the true, like, I got money to burn. It doesn't matter. I want a Seamaster, but I want the Seamaster. And this is just, and like you said, this is just a Seamaster 300 007 edition. Brown. Brown, right? Yeah, I think it's brown. Fotina with brown or perhaps black. That's it. it. There's nothing special about it, but everything is special about it. And that's what got me excited. That's the money is no object true collector's watch. My last pick. And this pick gave you some heartburn. (laughs) I had no heartburn. Gave you a little bit of heartburn. I'm okay with it. (coughs) A brand new inbox. Is that pregnant pause there? It's, I want the pregnant pause to exist. It's important. I have some news for you. A brand new inbox. Rolex sub, no date. Right from your AD. Hard stop. Yep. 9100 bucks. You can't find that, but if you've got a purchase history, you can probably get it for 9100 bucks. And here's why I chose this watch. The Rolex Submariner is, and we agreed, the most iconic watch of all time unanimously and independently agreed. Yeah. I think it's hard to argue too hard against it. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, I don't think there's a reasonable argument against there's many, there's, there's some arguments, but none, none are enough to like really remove it from the throne. The reason it's such an iconic watch is because it's the watch. It's this phenomenal tool watch that was purposely designed to be 
and go and do anything that you can do. This watch will outlast you regardless of what you do. You know, we talked about that one that was submerged in the sea off of Australia for God knows how long, was recovered from the rocks and had all kinds of corrosion on it. The bitch is still running and then was returned to the owner. There are people who exclusively collect these watches. That's their thing, is subs. And there's a million different reference numbers. The reason I picked this watch to be a a core member of the Money Is No Object 5 watch collection is because you deserve to make those memories with that watch. To have this incorporated into your daily life, to have that thing, this legend accompanying you from the day it's unwrapped and the stickers come off and accompanying you through everything. You get to make the legacy for that watch. It's not the cool movement. It's not that James Bond wore it. It's your watch. And that's the the excitement and the intrigue of the sub. You know, the, the marketing materials and all the pictures you see of the sub are all these people doing cool things wearing a sub. Like it's the unofficial official watch of Special Operations Command for the United States military. There's thousands of photographs of operators throughout the world and you see their sub. You see subs on celebrities. You see subs on normal people. But you get to write the story for this one. And that's why it's an important part of this five watch collection. Yeah, I like it. It's sort of a, a, a you've got a blank canvas mm-hmm. that also just happens to be probably the most iconic mm-hmm. watch ever made, ubiquitous, uh, but superfluously crafted and engineered. And, and and you've picked the the current model, which is the which is the one that's going to last the longest. It's the it's best going to be the best made. Yeah, I, I I don't hate it, Andrew. I, I don't love it. And the only reason I don't love it is because with all the money in the world. All these other watches are going to wear you. You're going to wear this yeah. watch. Yeah, I, I, I think it's hard for me to say that's a bad pick because of all the reasons you've said. So let's hear it. Oh, and I'm at a million dollars. You're at a million dollars. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think I'll just, I I think (laughs) I'll just start by saying I'm at almost exactly two times you. Okay. Uh, And I am okay going in a similar order that you did. I think I've already given away one of my categories, but I'm going to start in a different place here, Uh, which is I, my first category, you, you said you wanted a grand complication, but you also, wanted a dress watch, which I think is also kind of a grand complication. I went with just sort of, I wanted one, the category that I said to myself was a GFY watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and I just wanted, I just wanted one of those. And within that, I didn't really know what I wanted because I, I think you and I don't spend a lot of time in this area. We know. <clears throat> But I I had the opportunity to try one of these on at watch time a few years ago. And actually, I tried on a very special <coughs> version of this watch. Uh, but the watch I went with was the Chopard LUC 
all in one. And I went, so they've made a couple different iterations of this. This is one of the, I went with the 2018 version. If you don't know anything about this watch, I implore you to look it up because there's no chance I'm going to do it justice here. Uh -uh. They made this both in 18 karat gold and in platinum. And I believe 18 karat rose gold and platinum. And I think that um, there were 20 of these total, so 10 of each. This is one of the most, if not the most complicated watch Chopard has ever made. Uh, it's huge. It's, yeah, it's a big bitch. It's 46 millimeters, and, and it's thick, too. I don't know how thick, but I'm guessing. 18.5. Okay, I was going to say I'm guessing 17, but I, I, I would have underdone it. Um, and... And if you don't know what it is, uh, it, it takes a little bit of unpacking. What I will say is that immediately when you hold this watch in your hand, you can tell there's a lot going on. Because it weighs two and a half pounds. That's right. So they say this is a 14 complication watch. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to take the time to make sure I get all 14. But what I can say is it's a perpetual calendar that's loses that loses one day in 122 years and i'm not sure exactly what the reason for that is um 24 hour indication you've got a 12 o'clock you've got a day of the week um a leap your subdial at three o'clock it's a tourbillon small seconds uh you've got this beautiful bridge on the front of it i mean it's just gort it, it is absolutely gorgeous it is a stunning watch even as big as it is uh a, a hand guilloche solid gold dial that's been coated uh they call it a verdigris coated with a galvanic treatment um but then you flip it over oh 30 meters of water resistance on this by the way which is crazy and you get a seven-day power reserve indicator. It's a hand-wind mechanical movement with a seven-day power reserve indicator. Sunrise, sunset, day, night indicators. And one of the most sophisticated orbital moon phase complications in existence. Mm-hmm. Um, Complete with constellations and the ability to compare them against your moon phase. That's right. It, it, it's obviously uh, chronometer grade. But it's not 316L steel, so that's right. <laughs> uh. That's right. And it and it's got a four mainspring barrel movement, which which is what lends to that tremendous power reserve. These watches retailed for about 375000 and, and that's basically what you can pick them up for today. They go on sale every once in a while. About four hundred thousand. I mean, there's twenty of them in the world. That's right, and and so you can find them. They're about four hundred thousand dollars in and usually in very good condition. But it's eighteen watches in one. That's right. So this is this is a a a, a coffee table book that you wear on your wrist, right? It, yes. It's a conversation starter, especially for anyone who knows watches. Uh, and I think it's probably my favorite of all the flex watches that I've ever seen. 
maybe because I wore, I actually wore the version of this that had, so these are set to Greenwich Mean Time. I wore the version of this that had been built for Manhattan Time or New York Time. And it was just, it was just incredible. The, that watch had been valued at about a million dollars. Remind me, it was problematic to set the time. It had to be in its time zone, right? Oh, hey, there's something there, yeah, and and I don't remember, and so I'm sorry. It had it, it had something to do with the calibration of the multiple like timekeeping devices on it between the moon phase right. and the um, day night indicator. Setting the time was problematic, and so that's my GFY watch. Yeah, because it'll never be right. I've seen you wear your Speedmaster for days, and it's been at the same time, <laughs> the wrong time. Well, no, it's, it's right twice a day. <laughs> uh, so that is my first big splash. Now, I want to go back to my dress watch because <coughs> you've got a similar, your Zeitwerk Minute Repeater, I think, is a similar type of watch to mm -hmm. this. Uh, but you, you said that Minute Repeater is your dress watch. It's going to fit the role. Which I can appreciate. Uh, but I wanted a true dress watch. And and more than that, I wanted I wanted perhaps an essential dress watch. And more than that, I think I wanted to find the essential dress watch. Now this is subjective, and I so don't know that it is though. What I'm going to tell you is, for me, this I believe is the greatest dress watch ever made. Now, dress watch purists may have something to say about that because it does have a seconds hand. And I think some people think a seconds hand doesn't belong on a dress watch. We're going to ignore that. Neither does an hour hand. This is a... And there needs to be a diamond at the 12 o'clock. Patek Philippe 570. This is a watch from 1938 and Patek made it for about 30 years. This is a jumbo version of Patek's original Calatrava, the reference 96. It is a pretty modern 35 and a half millimeter watch. I've picked this in yellow gold. And I've picked this with a central seconds hand. They, uh, many of these, in fact, if not most of these come with a sub dial, a su small seconds. I've picked this with the indirect seconds hand, central seconds hand. Uh, I think that this watch, there are lots of Calatravas. I think five or six references, really. Uh, and to me, this one is the creme de la creme. The, the lugs are right for me. The size is right. The bezel to dial proportions are right for me. The hands are right. And, and most importantly, the dial, the markers and the dial on this are right this is to me the greatest dress watch ever made. And it's there's a reason why thousands of SKUs of dress watches have been modeled after this watch. That's right. That's right. And the one I've picked actually has another trick up, up its sleeve. So this is a, like I said, central seconds, reference 570. I've picked a specific type of this. I've picked a double signed reference 570 from the Somazi retailer, which is a Swiss retailer of Paddock for probably the better part of the last century, still today. And I've picked a double-signed Somazi reference 570 in yellow gold, which I believe is the 
height of dress watches of all time. This is it. I think you're right. If you ever want to give me a gift, a Somazi double signed paddock 570 in yellow gold with a central seconds hand. And this is a vintage 1950 production watch. 35,000 euros. Yeah, and, and and so these it's are in phenomenal condition for being a 1950s watch. You can pick up a 570 for anywhere from 17 to 25. A, a, a Samazzi signed in good condition is is going to be a little bit more. And so that's why I've gone with this. I, I took the 570. So this was hard. This was the one you were trying to get over your $30,000 threshold with. And I made it a little bit more special. That's right, Andrew. Yeah. So I, I, I had to work a little bit to find the most special version of this. And I found it. You did. Uh, I, I'm not going to say much more about that watch because what more to say? It's got 200 meters of water resistance. It is. <laughs> it does not. Oh, okay. So next. It, it has intrusion if you breathe on it too close. <laughs> so next up, I wanted a, I wanted a chronograph. And I wanted, I, I wanted a good chronograph. And I, I looked at a lot of watches. Uh, this is a tough, the chronograph being sort of a sporty watch. Um, a pure chronograph. I think when we think of chronographs, Andrew, at least you and me, we, we sort of think of like racing chronographs. Mm-hmm. Well, racing chronographs by their very nature, not super expensive. No, it, there's not many like chronographs kind of cap. Like, you know, you get into Richard Mille chronographs and you get like, there's some up there, like way up there. But generally speaking, the, you know, under 20,000 is where you're going to live with chronographs. Yeah, that, that's right. That's right. And, and so... You know, I looked at a lot. I looked at like, uh, you, you know, an an OG OG El Primero. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know, I just looked at a lot of watch. I I eventually settled on a watch at, that I changed just just today as we were getting ready for the show. I settled on the fiftieth anniversary of the Apollo Eleven Moonshine Gold Speedwatch Speedmaster. Excuse me. Um, beautiful, solid gold, stunning. And you actually kind of pushed me in this direction um, because I ultimately didn't go with that watch. Yeah. I went with an aesthetically very similar watch. Speedmasters have looked the same for nigh on 70 years. Yep. Uh, Unless you had Snoopy. That's right. (laughs) And, (laughs) And so this watch looks just like my watch, but you, you alerted me to the fact that, that just earlier this year, you can do better than your, anniversary watch which is why i sent it to you <laughs> that's right there were there were i believe 20 of these created they are solid gold speedmaster pros 28 pieces solid gold speedmaster pros given to all of the members of the apollo program as well as richard nixon and spiro tiagnu um yeah this is a gold watch, solid gold, maroon bezel. And just last year, or just earlier this year, three of these went up for auction, specifically Alan Bean, Ron Evans, the commander of Gen- uh, Genesis, uh, Gemini 3, Gemini 3. Uh, and these are terrific. These are terrific. This is the Moonshine Gold 50th anniversary, but... Better, better in every single way. Maybe not better functioning or in better condition, but just better. Objectively better because they have that 
special bit. These were gifted to members of this space program. Uh, and there's photographs of these astronauts wearing them during their training cycles. Like this was the watch that they were given and they wore it. Yeah. It's the anniversary edition on crack. It is it's the watch just a gold speedmaster. The anniversary edition emulates. This yeah. is this is the watch. So th- these are going to be half a million bucks, right? One sold for one point something million. That's Who, right. what was his name? Um, I think it was Alan Beans. No, it was um, Gus Grissom. Mm-mm. It was it was after these. It was uh, Wally Shira's uh, uh-huh. sold for like one point nine million or some shit like that. So yeah, one point nine. You want a flex speedy? This is the one. This, this is the is flex the speedy. One. Uh, so yeah, Andrew, you were right. I was wrong. We, <laughs> this is the watch I need. So now I've got a chronograph. I've got my, I've got my chronograph. I've got my GFY watch. I've got my dress watch. I, I have a couple. Of- for for the record, I picked this watch to outdo your watch. Yes, because yours was cool and mine was cooler. All right, and so it- let's let's talk about that because I needed a sub. I needed a sub. Okay. And any sub is not going to do. I am not. Who do you think I am? Go to the AD and get a basic <laughs> bitch. No. No. I am going to buy the greatest sub ever. There's one choice. I am going to buy a big crown four line 6538. So in Dr. No, James Bond famously wears a sub that sub is a big crown four line 65 38 which is objectively speaking the most prized reference of the sub ever made so notable by its eight millimeter crown a big crown on a 36 millimeter sub it's a huge crown it's got a red triangle at 12. It's a 38 millimeter case. And excuse me, 38 millimeter case. Apologize. And it's got notably four lines of text on the dial, which is a lot of text. But the four dot, four lines versus the two lines, Eric Wind predicts that something like 20 of the two lines are available for every one of the four lines, making this much rarer. The difference being the four lines are chronometer certified or, or were at the time of sale. Officially certified chronometer. That's right. Three words, two lines. That's right. This is the watch. Aluminum inserts, very rare for them to be in great condition. To get one of these, to get one of these in anything even close to original condition, you're looking at... Anywhere from $350,000 to $500,000. You do not find these watches in good condition for less than that. One of the you hardest you, watches in the world to you find. You find them in poor condition for that. One of, the, one of the hardest production watches in the world to find. Because they're worn. I mean, shit, what was it? Three years ago, we talked about a sub that was in non-working condition, covered in paint stains, and it was going for $150,000. It wasn't a four line. It was just a beat up sub from the 80s that a dude bought for himself 
because he wanted a good watch to paint in because he was a house painter and he just worked wearing a sub. And then it went to auction and fetched six figures. It didn't even fucking work. Because the dude (laughs) wrote the story of that watch. Right. And that's what these four lines are. Because it was among the first chronometers available. So people are going to pay more for this exceptional accuracy. So so professional divers, professional people are buying this baller tool tool watch. This is like getting a Pelagos when titanium is first starting to hit the market. They're buying this watch to abuse it because they need something to fit the need. That's right. That's right. So now I've got four watches, none of which I can wear on a daily basis. I've got my luck all in one, which mm-hmm. it's not an everyday watch. Let's just be straight. Mm-hmm. I've got my Unless 570. You get strong on just one side. I've got my 570, which you could daily that depending on your job. But yeah, you could daily that. Uh, I've got my priceless gold speed master as worn by astronauts and my priceless sub uh just to be clear probably not dailying the sub or the or the speedmaster <laughs> i need a watch to daily i don't want it to be gold i want it to be steel because right. steel wears well mm-hmm. and i'm sorry you guys you're gonna be disappointed because I'm going to do it. I'm getting a 5711. Yeah. I'm getting a blue teak dial 5711 Patek Nautilus. However, <laughs> what kind of basic bitch you think I am? No, he I'm going to do get a navy dial. So let's be clear. I'm not getting a Tiffany blue 5711. I'm getting a navy dial double signed Tiffany Patek 5711. These don't come up for sale very often. They made probably about 30 of these total over the years, two to three per year, maybe 40 of them. So they they do exist. You find them. There's one on sale right now. Ask for pricing. You're looking at about 320 to 350,000 for one of these in good condition. It doesn't even say Swiss made. It just says Swiss. That's right. This is this is the 5711. To the extent you're going to get one, this is the one. And because <laughs> I have been gifted this very high leverage, unlimited budget, this is the one I'm getting. We don't need to talk about this watch. 120 meters water resistance, unlike Andrew's Nautilus with its measly 60. Yeah. 8 millimeters, 40 millimeters, it's the shit, and it's signed Tiffany, and it's a flex. It's only flex. No one would ever know. And I'm wearing it every day. I'm wearing it every day, and I'm banging it on shit, and I'm swimming, and I'm smoking cigars, walking the dog. You you have 320, when I mean, you have $2 million to spend on watches, so yeah. somebody's walking your dog for you. Uh, maybe I well I like to walk the dog in my fifty seven eleven. So I, I actually think I've spent a little bit over two million. I think give or take two point two two point three is what I've spent on watches today. And you know what? I'm pretty happy with my collection. Let's talk a little bit, Andrew, about the differences in our approaches because I think that's I think it's interesting, and I think it says something about the way we collect. You, you went with very complicated, very interesting 
watches. I, I went with almost to a watch, simpler, simpler watches and special versions. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting because our you went co- straight LE. I went I went limited edition and I and I and I went more old than mm-hmm. you did. And I think that actually comes through in the way we collect. You know, mm-hmm. I've got my 1990s titanium G-Shock. Ugh. I find these watches that are interesting for a reason that I'm interested in and you want the thing that's the new, coolest and best. And coolest and best, yeah. yeah. And sometimes I don't want the best. Right, I want like this is objectively I worse want a than the other 2003 thing. Lexus, but it's cool, right? It, it 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 was cool to me to see as our collections came together, how we had you know, you know no matter how much money we have to spend, we're still buying watches in the same way. Mm-hmm. I want the cool shit. I want that minute repeater. I want to know when the hour changes. And I want to raise my hand up and let everyone else know. Listen to that, bitches. <laughs> Listen to them chimes. Well, here we are. We're just about an hour. We've done it, clearly. We've picked two of the coolest no, uh, n- no bar watch collections on earth, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I hope that we both have made our friend Eric Wynn proud. With that said, I do think we need to wrap up. Are you? Is there anything else you want to say about this process? Because we have, I, we've not ever done anything like this. No, I I was actually kind of surprised at how little money, relative to the amount of money that can be spent, we both spent. I was kind of surprised through like a really deliberate. You don't think two and a half million is a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> no, because if you get into, you know, I think this would be, it. it's easy to go find like, oh yeah, no, this one, this one watch is going to auction for, you know, $2 million. It's easy to create a sub collection of like the objectively coolest subs out there or the objectively coolest take your pick or buy Jackie Kennedy's tank or, you know, those kinds of things. And I appreciated that we still both took a really pragmatic, like, no, I want to, I want a collection of of shit, like of, of meaningful watches that are cool, not just because they're expensive. They happen to be expensive, but they're also just really cool. You, you know, I, I think the one, I think the one obvious, as, as my parting thought, I think the one obvious hole in both of our collections is lesser known lesser known sort of niche the the micro brand of the horology world the, the dude who makes one watch a year and it sells for eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars and that's obviously you know that's a combination of us a n- not being exposed to real horology and and, and b not being exposed to <laughs> ex- expensive shit right yeah they don't let us in those places that's right and, and so w- w- with that said you, you know i think that these watches are interesting i think they're fun i think our goal was just to to play with this and to sort of show you guys how we would think about this stuff i'm curious to know what your picks are at home if you think like you know we, we missed on any of our choices or if you think like gosh you really missed out on this type of watch or or whatever would love to hear your would love to hear your comments you can let us know 
on Instagram or, or, or at our discord if you're part there, but let will know. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a really fun project. Uh, more fun. As, as soon as Evan suggested this, thank you, by the way, Evan, for suggesting this. As soon as he suggested it, I was like, all right, I can play this game. That it's, it's, it's fun. It, it's fun. I, I'm sure we won't do this very often if ever again, but it was fun for an episode. I'm not sure my picks change much. In yeah, that's right. Two years even. That's right. Yeah. Well, maybe we, you know, you've run into another $2 million. Now what? God, these five are <laughs> off the table. Jeez. <laughs> now we're going deep. Um, well, with that said, Andrew, other things, what do you got? I got another thing. So last night I got home from work. I went and I was, it was like, it wasn't late exactly, but it was post kids dinner time. I didn't want macaroni and cheese and hot dogs and peas for dinner. And I was like, man, what the hell do I do? And I had, I had just gone grocery shopping, so I'm not limited on options, but I'm also like a little bit limited on kind of inspiration. It's like 7 PM and I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't really know mm-hmm. what to do. Um, so I'm like opening my fridge and I'm looking at it and I'm like, how are you wondering what you're going to eat? <laughs> like The question is, what do you want to make? Uh, and I'm like, I look in my pantry, I have some shelf stable gnocchi and I'm like, okay, we got something here. Cause that's going to do it for me. I had gotten some shiitake mushrooms for something else. And I was like, I know exactly what I'm going to do. So I did a brown butter and sage with shiitake and garlic sauce. Ooh. So I first... Did you brown your own butter? hmm So first, I got my pan screaming hot, mm. and I just salt and peppered a sirloin, hit it in there, cooked my sirloin foil, wrapped it, throw it in a low-heat oven just to kind of hold some temperature. It ended up getting a little overcooked because the brown butter sage took a little longer than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. Really, the gnocchi took a little longer than I anticipated. I made a brown butter, sage, garlic, shiitake mushroom sauce, loosened it a little bit with some of the pasta water, got the gnocchi in there while it was still hot, kind of crisped up a few of the pieces, hit it with some Parmesan, sliced my steak, threw it on top. It is one of the best things I have ever made. And it took the the length of time to boil water and then the three minutes in Yoki was in there. So like 17 minutes. Yeah. Start to finish. Like super fast, super easy. I'm going to link to a, an easy brown butter and sage sauce, or like sauce recipe. It says it takes, I don't know how long, where's the, how long does it take? A few minutes. It's, it's super simple. A few minutes. It's super like easy. It is like, velvety luxury deliciousness and i it was like a good reminder of like how good simple bold flavors can be when they work together and are made thoughtfully so my other thing is brown butter sage sauce because on yoki man that was killer and then throw just like an easy sear salt and pepper steak on top of it oh boy that did it for me i'm into it it was so good. I love quick recipes like that. It was so easy. And shelf-stable gnocchi is like per, could perhaps be a whole other thing in and of itself because it's so filling. It's so good. It's so easy. And it's not like pasta 
right? Pasta just like it, pasta doesn't isn't cheap. It doesn't necessarily taste cheap, but there's something kind of special about gnocchi because typically it's a really labor intensive thing. So to just have it quick like that, it's like, man, this is like, this is put together and it's also cheap. Yeah. Cheap and, and good. Keep shelf stable gnocchi in your pantry. I've got another thing. Do me. Uh, I think I've talked about it on the show a lot of times, uh, but I disc golf and disc golf is interesting because it's populated by nerds and normies alike. Yeah, actually, this is a conversation I had with someone on the course recently. Uh, there are two primary like plurality groups within disc golf. One of those are dirtbag hippies. Mm-hmm. And I say dirtbag affectionately. Yeah, they're the dudes who like live out of their van and primarily rock climb and disc golf. Like, that's they're right. not bad people. They're just like they they're just dirty because that's they live in a van. That's right. Often by the river. And and the other group is like youth group kids, and and, and anybody I've said this to other disc golfers, and everyone I've said it to like kind of like puts their head back and they're like, yeah, that's right, uh, because they, <laughs> those are the two primary groups, and they coexist anyway. Uh, I disc golf is interesting because there's no like equipment made for disc golf outside of the discs themselves. And, and goals, obviously. Uh, like nobody's chain buckets. That's right. Nobody's making um, clothes, apparel, specifically for disc golf. It, there's there's a company recently, anyway, but nobody wears those. People are just wearing, and there's a few different types of shoes. So like, like soft-sided trail hikers, specifically mm-hmm. the Adidas Terex, which is a shoe I talked about on the show before. Me too. That's right. We've both talked about them. Mm-hmm. Um, but but there are a few other, like some people do trail runners, but the other category of shoes that a lot of people wear for disc golf is Vans because they're skateboard shoes. And so there's some similarities to... Some structure. Yeah. That's, that's right. So grip, structure. And, um, you, you know, different areas of the course they're going to be worse for. Anyway, um, last spring as it was still raining i bought a pair of shoes that are gore-tex they're kind of they're kind of heavy and they're waterproof i bought a pair of vans i wore them once and then it got nice and i didn't wear them again and i I didn't really even think about them but as we've gotten back into the rainy season i've started wearing these again what they are are vans ultra range exo the mte-1 whatever just google vans ultra range Basically, what these are is a classic-looking Vans shoe, but they're sort of beefed up. You can tell they're like more. They look like Airwalks. That's right. They're more more fluffy. They um, look like '90s skate shoes. These are a Gore-Tex lined, kind of like a flat-soled hiker, is mm-hmm. what they are. And I'll tell you, these are terrific. So they're warm. They're dry. You got pull tabs to get on, so you know they're serious. Well, which is not like that's not sarcastic. That's like these are by design, like like activity shoes. The pull tabs are one of the nicest features of these. They're just super well constructed and super comfortable. 
And they've been fantastic. So I have a pair of, I don't know, $180 Adidas Terex R3s that I bought for disc golf. Don't hate them. Don't love them. Uh, I go to these. So this is the season where I'd wear one of these two shoes. I go to these every time. I just every time because I want to wear them. They're comfortable. They are they insulated work too? well. Yeah, they're insulated. They're waterproof. They're breathable though. They're not super, super hot. Um, if not for the relatively flat sole, these would be a terrific hiking shoe. With that said, the lugs on the bottom are not super aggressive. And so I think that traction might be an issue if you were in slippery or in mud. Um, but outside of those circumstances, these mm. are terrific. I love them. Yeah, for a well-groomed environment, this is these aren't bad tread. And I'm going to buy another pair of these because they're just fantastic. This is like if you're out out and about, you want a, a shoe that kind of looks and they look cool, too. I think that's the other thing. They don't look um, like functional shoes, although they are. If this is your style at all, that sort of half cab or whatever, uh, and you want something for goofing off outside in the rain, like I said, probably not a mud shoe or, or whatever, but what color do you have them in? I've got them in Navy, which they don't have available now, but it's Navy with a gum sole. Um, yeah, they're terrific. And I just dig them. That's my other thing for the week. That's another thing. I like they're, these white, like, but they're not great for your application. Th that's right. Yeah. They would just get super Destroyed. dirty. I, so we, I got they're 120 bucks for these. I got a pair of all white Pegasus forties. I was like, ah, I need a new pair of gym shoes and I'm going to Disneyland. I need some like good comfy wandering shoes. And they got fucked up at Disneyland. And it wasn't by like, just like it was normal day to day stuff. It was the fact that one morning my almost nine year old smashed a 20 ounce hot coffee off of the table and into my lap and down one of my legs and then just somehow couldn't find to put his feet on the earth. They had to land on my feet. I was furious. Anyway, <laughs> I got home, filled up the bathtub with hot water, put in like three scoops of OxyClean, threw my shoes in there, brand new. Not even staining on the bottoms of the soles. OxyClean's the truth, man. You, did you get the Oregon Ducks version? I almost did, but I was like, I don't want to pay 20 extra bucks for the duck version. <laughs> They do make an Oregon Ducks version. They do. Yeah. And it's for only 20 more dollars. I should have, but I didn't. And I'm not disappointed that I didn't. Yeah. Because I also got some Air Max at the same time. So I went a little bit, a little bit hard. In the you just went ham. Shoes. Yeah. You went ham. Uh, Andrew, I think that's it. I think we're done. I think I'm done with 40 and 20 this week. Yeah. All right. Mr. Everett C., shall we do a quick explanation since we have just a couple minutes here to spare? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. We should. It, it, it's maybe, uh, it's maybe going to be, maybe going to be anticlimactic at this point, but perhaps will our editor in chief, or perhaps it was Mike, Mike, no, Mike and will we're talking about chat GPT. And one of them asked Chappie jet chat GPT. If it knew what our podcast was and it did, it knew what watch clicker was. It knew what watch clicker was. And then I asked if it knew what 40 and 20 was. Oh yeah, that's right. And then it's it like, I had to kind of, I had to drill down a little bit before it found us. And then I asked, who are the hosts? And ChatGPT told us that, as of my last knowledge update in January of 2022, the hosts of 
the 40 and 20 podcast, were Andrew Farago and Everett C. <laughs> it went on to talk about just its general assessment of our podcast. but Which Andrew, is good. It's a good assessment. It's not a poor assessment. I am confused where Andrew Farago, like how it got my not right last name, Farago, which I kind of like. It sounds kind of exotic and different. I learned that it's a uh, Slovakian name. Uh, it, where did it come from? I don't know. That's the curious part. And why do you just have a last initial? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I sent that to the guys and uh, it ripped Mike and Will up. Will yeah. got to laughing so hard he woke his wife up. Yeah, yeah it was it was a thing. So uh, I have been rebranded. The, ho- the the 40 and 20 Watch Clicker podcast is now hosted by Andrew Farago and my good friend Everett C. <laughs> what a weird AI experience. I love it. Andrew Farago, I'm glad you host this show with me. Everett C, I appreciate you. Hey, folks. I appreciate you, and I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20 of the Watch Clicker Past. Watch Clicker Podcast. I, I haven't even had that much to drink, I swear. Uh, You're a mess. Do me a favor and check us out on our website. That's watchclicker.com. That is where we post weekly articles, reviews, and every single episode of this podcast. You can also check us out on socials, specifically at Instagram, at watch clicker and at 40 and 20 underscore watch clicker. That's where we post photos and updates about what we're doing. If you want to support us and we hope you do, you can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. Look guys, it is not free to continue to do this. We have hosting costs, software, and occasionally new hardware. Uh, and that's how we pay for it. All of you who are supporting us, we thank you so much. And and if you don't, maybe think about it. Patreon.com slash 40 and 20. And don't forget to check us out next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. <laughs>